welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. This is part two of the Healthy Hormone series that we're doing, and today we are talking all about the thyroid, specifically hypothyroidism, because that is the condition I hear about most from my clients when they are struggling with a hormonal imbalance related to the thyroid. If you didn't catch part one of the series, I talked all about diet and the menstrual cycle, so your period. So check that one out. Some of the information may overlap, not too much of it on this specific episode, but in future episodes related to the hormone health series where we're talking about cortisol and fertility and PCOS, you might find that some of the recommendations tend to coincide with each other. But today we're talking all about the thyroid. I hear this a lot from clients. So whether they come in with labs confirming they have hypothyroid or they're experiencing symptoms that may lead them to hypothyroid, I get a lot of questions about what they should be eating, supplementing with, and avoiding. So we're going to cover that all in today's podcast episode. And today I am recording this one solo. So this is Kate. And usually I have Megan, my co-anchor and fellow dietitian here at Nutrition Awareness to bounce back and forth with, but uh, it's just me today in the office. Hopefully she'll catch us for the next episode. I want to first talk a little bit about what the thyroid actually is, because it's important to understand what this is actually impacting in your body before you move into how to manage any kind of dysfunction. So the thyroid is a butterfly-shaped gland that sits in your throat, uh, the very front of it, and its main job is to help regulate your metabolism and your energy levels, uh, your menstrual cycle. It even can impact your mood and body temperature. And it secretes two hormones called T3 and T4. Now, the thyroid itself is regulated by another gland, the pituitary gland, and the pituitary gland produces something called the thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH, and it does exactly what the name says. It stimulates the thyroid to secrete T3 and T4. So what exactly is hypothyroidism? We hear about it all the time and we always hear, oh, I I have to take my thyroid medication or somebody's complaining about weight gain when they have hypothyroid, but what is it really? Well, there's two different types. There's primary and there's secondary. So if you have primary hypothyroidism, that's when the actual thyroid gland itself fails to produce enough T4 or T3 to carry out all the functions of the thyroid. Secondary is when that pituitary gland doesn't release enough of that TSH, that thyroid stimulating hormone, so therefore the thyroid doesn't stimulate what it needs because of the pituitary gland. Now, you need a doctor to test your thyroid to see if it's producing enough of the hormones, but there are many symptoms associated with hypothyroid that might give you clues on whether you need to get tested sooner than later. One of the most common ones is going to feel a sense of 
lethargy, feeling tired, mental fogginess, just feeling a little bit slow. I had a client once who had hypothyroid and she was just so tired in the middle of the day. She couldn't get anything done. She was dragging around. And when she got on some treatment, she felt so much better. Other symptoms include dry skin and hair, cold hands and feet, hair loss, irregular bowel movements, or a regular menstrual cycle. Now you might have some of these symptoms and it doesn't necessarily mean you have hypothyroid. Or you might not have any of these symptoms or maybe not notice them and you might still have a thyroid that's affected. It's always gonna be better to confirm with a lab, but if any of these things sound like they're really impacting you, I can't recommend enough to go get tested because the number one treatment, the gold standard for treatment, is medication. So somebody might take Synthroid or Levothyroxine to help with their hypothyroid. Any kind of recommendations I'm giving you today are just to supplement your thyroid health and it shouldn't be used against your doctor's prescription for a medication uh, unless you speak to them first and, and talk it through with your medical provider. I want to talk briefly about what could cause hypothyroidism. Again, this isn't my area of expertise, but I just want to mention it because it's interesting and it gives a lot of the basis for the nutrition recommendations. So the most common or most popular talked about cause of thyroid would be Hashimoto's. And Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease where the body attacks the thyroid. So a lot of people might experience a goiter or the swelling of the throat uh, in the very front of, of their throat where that thyroid is. So it's basically the body attacking its own thyroid. It's a lot more common in women. I heard somewhere up to eight times more common in women. Um, so just there you go if you're a woman you're more at risk unfortunately another cause of hypothyroidism could be celiac disease there's been studies that show that there's a greater chance of hypothyroidism in the general population with those ha who have celiac or a gluten sensitivity um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later uh, there's also a link between a history of disordered eating being associated with hypothyroidism. States of chronic starvation are associated with changes in the thyroid hormone, meaning there's a decreased secretion of that T4 and T3. So if you have a history of full-blown anorexia or bulimia or just a lot of yo-yo dieting, that may put you at risk if you went long periods of time without eating enough calories to maintain basic function. Um, somebody also mentioned um, in, in some studies that I was reading that thyroiditis may be cause of hypothyroidism. It's just inflammation of the thyroid that may happen around or after pregnancy. Iodine deficiencies or toxicities and radiation could also impact your thyroid and cause you to have hypothyroidism. Again, you want to get tested by your doctor. Now, one point I really want to talk about before we get into the real nitty-gritty and specifics of what to eat and what to avoid is the importance of maintaining a healthy gut to support really any kind of hormone function, but specifically the thyroid. And this is because the gut is a major conversion site for that T3 hormone, which is synthesized from T4. So if you have an inflamed gut or a skewed microbiome, this may inactivate the process. 
if you don't have a thyroid or a functioning thyroid, your gut also functions less effectively. This is because there's going to be less stomach acid, HCL, produced, and your gallbladder doesn't function as well, and therefore you might have less acid being produced. And then a poor gut may also impair peristalsis, which is the fun word for the movements that your intestines make to push food through so you could experience constipation. This seems like kind of daunting and scary because it's a cycle, right? If you have poor gut health, it just kind of feeds into each other. So we're going to really talk about the things that can help improve your healthy gut microbiome. We've talked about this in a lot of podcasts. Um, The big things to really make sure that you're eating plenty of is going to be plant-based sources of food that contain fiber. And this is why I don't recommend that a lot of my clients follow low-carb protocols when they have hypothyroid. They get it in their head that they should be eating low carb because of the whole gluten thing, which again, I'll talk about soon. But even if you are avoiding gluten for sensitivities or celiac or just experimental purposes, that doesn't mean you should be eating a low carb diet. The If you start reducing too many carbohydrates, it's a lot harder to get adequate sources of fiber, which is crucial for a healthy gut microbiome. And this can also reduce the amount of hydrochloric acid, that HCL that's produced in the gut. This could cause cravings for sugar later in the day, could disrupt with digestion. It's just, it's really not good. I can't tell you that there's many people I push or really, really recommend low carb diets for, um, and hypothyroid is definitely no exception. So let's talk about gluten a little bit. If celiac disease uh, is an autoimmune disease that could be impacting your thyroid and you for sure have been diagnosed with celiac disease, then yeah, you want to avoid gluten. Celiac disease is, if you have celiac, you know you have celiac. Let's just leave it at that. You eat gluten, whether it's a little bit or a whole lot, and you run to the bathroom, you are not feeling good. It can put you out for days. If you have gluten sensitivity, you can also get this tested. Or if you just experience a lot of uncomfortable symptoms after eating large amounts of gluten, I say there's no harm in experimenting with a month without gluten and seeing if you notice any difference in your energy levels or bloating or whatever kind of discomfort you're feeling. Uh, I think more people than necessary like to blame gluten because it just feels like an easy thing when it's probably a combination of things that you're eating or doing that could be causing some inflammatory response. But if you do have confirmed celiac or gluten sensitivity, definitely avoid eating gluten because it can cause an inflammatory response. Not good for your thyroid or health in general. If you don't have a sensitivity or celiac, there really is no research supporting that avoiding gluten is really gonna help with your thyroid. So I'd recommend doing some other things first, especially if gluten is a big part of your diet and would be really hard for you to change. Again, I don't really see much harm in illuminating gluten or cutting back on gluten, especially if that means you're gonna replace those foods with more whole food sources of carbohydrates and not just a bunch of gluten-free alternatives that really aren't any better for you and don't offer any nutritional value, like gluten-free pretzels or gluten-free hamburger buns. No, just eat more food with whole sources of fiber. Now, one of the big things that comes along with thyroid is a concern about weight gain. And this makes sense because the thyroid's, one of their main functions is to help you maintain a healthy energy balance and metabolism. 
Now, when you dig into the research, I think this might upset a few people, the weight gain that's associated with hypothyroidism is not as dramatic or intense as you may believe. In general, about 5 to 10 pounds of body weight may attribute to the thyroid depending on the severity of your hypothyroid, but if weight gain is the only symptom of hypothyroidism that's showing up for you, or it's a lot of weight gain, it's probably not just because of your thyroid. It could be because of how you're eating or how much you're eating. Now, this is good or bad news depending how you look at it. Everybody who gains weight or has trouble gaining weight, it seems like they want it to be their thyroid. They want an answer and they get hypothyroid and they're like, yay, this is the the magical solution to all of my issues. I'll take my thyroid medication and lose all this weight. But really, it doesn't work like that. Um, it's This is good news because it means that even if you do have hypothyroid and are struggling with weight, then you really want to take the lifestyle recommendations that anybody with a functioning thyroid would want to take if they were trying to lose weight. Now, I know that your life experience might be totally different than what the research shows, and I acknowledge that. So if all of a sudden you gained 30 pounds in six months and you got tested and your thyroid was dysfunctional, I'm not denying that that that's your truth. And the research does show that you would maybe have a harder time losing weight. So this is just what the studies show. It really depends on your whole experience and your lifestyle and diet as an individual. Now, uh, the other one thing I want to mention is that appetite changes may also occur with your thyroid. Again, anything that's regulating your metabolism is going to impact your appetite. So there are women who have hypothyroid and show an increase in appetite. Again, if you're struggling with weight loss, this can also make it more difficult. So perhaps the weight gain associated with an underactive thyroid is compounded by having an increase in appetite and therefore more difficulty controlling how much you're eating. In that case, I would really focus on making sure the foods that you're eating are helping you stay fuller longer. So if you're eating a bunch of refined carbohydrates or you're skipping meals and then finding yourself being ravenous, make sure you're eating things that have protein, that have healthy fats, that have fiber, so that you feel full for a long time and have more control and peace with your appetite. I want to talk about the nutrients that help support thyroid health. And if you've listened to the podcast or you've worked with me before, I'll talk about supplementation, but it's usually not one of those things that I put a huge emphasis on right in the beginning, simply because there's more foundational pieces to being a healthy person or losing weight that you want to focus on before you get into the nitty gritty of micronutrients and supplements. I will say with thyroid, the research and studies that support supplementation is quite um, quite promising. And so I'm going to talk more about supplementation than I normally do, and then really easy ways to make sure that you're getting these micronutrients into your diet. So whether you are taking a supplement or whether you're getting them from food, it's really helpful to know what to look out for. So the big thing that we want to talk about first is iodine. Iodine is needed to produce those thyroid hormones, T3 and T4. You probably see iodine or hear about iodine the most from salt. So if you buy a big thing of salt, it will say iodized salt. 
Uh, only half a teaspoon of iodized salt has 100% of your daily value of iodine needs. So really, if you're in a developed country, you do not need to supplement with iodine. In fact, I really don't want anybody to supplement with iodine. You can overdo it with iodine. There is a toxicity. So if you're plant-based and you're not eating a lot of foods that have iodine, like seafood, saltwater seaweed, uh, cheese, yogurt, soy sauce, then make sure you're adding iodized salt to your meals. Uh, otherwise, no need to supplement. The other one we want to talk about is selenium. So selenium also helps with that conversion of T4 and T3 in your gut, and it also protects your thyroid gland from free radicals. It has a lot of antioxidant properties. It may also help reduce anxiety and improve your energy. One Brazil nut has 70 to 90 milligrams of your, I'm sorry, micrograms of selenium. So that's 175% of your daily needs because you only need about 50 micrograms per day. There is an upper limit to selenium, so don't just snack on Brazil nuts if you're trying to heal your thyroid. I take one Brazil nut as a multivitamin with my breakfast any morning because A, it tastes delicious and it meets my selenium needs, but I might skip a day just in between to avoid toxicity. Um, other sources of selenium are gonna be organ meat and wild-caught seafood. So if you are vegan or vegetarian, I can't recommend making sure you get your Brazil nuts in. I buy them in bulk at Trader Joe's and I just keep them in my fridge so they stay fresher longer and just pop one in uh, as I'm cooking my breakfast. Let's talk about zinc. Zinc is a, another micronutrient that helps with that T4 and T3 synthesis. It also helps your hypothalamus detect and then appropriately respond to the thyroid hormone in your blood. Now, as an adult, you only need between eight and 11 milligrams per day. You'll find zinc is really bioavailable, meaning easily absorbed from shellfish oysters and red meat. But there's also zinc in legumes, nuts, and whole grains. It's a little bit less bioavailable due to phytic acid, so it doesn't hurt to supplement with zinc. If you're a man listening to this, I recommend a lot of men supplement with zinc because it can help with testosterone production, especially as you get into middle and upper age. Let's talk about iron. Iron helps T4 synthesize into T3, that conversion. It also helps iodide turn to iodine. It transports oxygen to the cells and helps you feel energetic. So if you're feeling like you have fatigue and you're concerned about whether or not you have hypothyroid, but maybe you don't have a lot of the other symptoms, you wanna get your iron levels checked by your primary care physician because low iron could lead to anemia and that can make you feel extremely tired because iron helps transport those oxygen cell, oxygen molecules to your cell to help you feel invigorated and alive. So make sure you get your iron tested. There is no reason to supplement with extra iron if you are not anemic or tested as low iron. In fact, I wouldn't go out and buy an iron supplement if you're suspicious without confirmation because too much iron can make you feel really constipated. But just for reference, the recommended daily intake for iron is 8 milligrams per day for men and 18 milligrams per day for women. You will need more if you're anemic. You will need more if you're pregnant. Uh, so just keep that in mind. This is just for the general adult. Now, if you are 
on thyroid medication right now. You're taking Synthroid. Do not take any kind of iron supplement or eat iron-rich foods close to when you are taking your hypothyroid medication. So for simplicity's sake, most people just take their thyroid medication right when they wake up and wait 30 to 60 minutes before they eat anything to avoid any competition of absorption of that thyroid hormone. Iron-rich foods or iron-rich meals, I would push back a little bit farther, maybe three to four hours after taking your medication, just because iron will compete for absorption. Really iron-rich sources of food include red meat, poultry, dark leafy greens, and beans, chickpeas. They're all very concentrated with iron. If you are plant-based, and have trouble getting enough iron, I'd recommend taking a prenatal vitamin, whether you are trying to get pregnant or not. They're gonna be a bit more concentrated with iron. And I would also make sure you're not consuming a lot of calcium or phytic acid from coffee or green tea when you're eating your iron-rich foods, simply because calcium is going to beat iron when it comes to the game of absorption and utilization. You can really enhance your iron absorption with vitamin C. I talk about this in the period and menstrual cycles episode, how I eat iron-rich foods with vitamin C during my follicular phase to help replenish iron that was lost during my menstrual cycle. I know that's not what everybody does because they're not a nerdy dietitian like me, but doesn't hurt. Okay, another one that we have to talk about, especially if you're plant-based, is B12. One study found that B12 deficiency was found in 40% of patients with underactive thyroid. B12 is found in animal products. They're very concentrated in meat and eggs and sea fish, sea fish, seafood, oysters, etc. This is a super easy supplement. Um, it's really funny if you start taking B12 and then you go to the bathroom and don't realize that it turns your pee neon yellow. It's almost shocking. Every time I take a B12 supplement, which is a couple times a week because I'm not fully plant-based, um, I just kind of use it for um, inner function and cognitive abilities. But I'll go to the bathroom and I'll be like, oh my god, did I just drink a highlighter? Because your pee is bright yellow. So don't be shocked if you start supplementing with B12. Um, it's really helpful to protect against certain types of anemia and can, again, potentially help the thyroid. Easy, cheap supplement. Um, let's talk about foods to avoid. This gets a little controversial. So we talked a little bit about gluten. There's also something called goitrogens. And goitrogens may interfere with the uptake of iodine and then therefore interfere with the function of the thyroid. Now, this is only a concern if you have an iodine deficiency in hypothyroidism. You likely don't have an iodine deficiency. You have to get that tested. But there are a lot of people who are really into thyroid nutrition. And I this is just my professional opinion. They take it too far. I think a lot of diets online, they just love to push these elimination diets. They tell you all these things to avoid, they freak you out, they scare you, and they will shame you for eating things. So my perspective is it's not gonna hurt you to eat a little bit of these foods. If you're super worried and super cautious, it's not extremely limiting, but I wouldn't be too stressed about eliminating the foods I'm going to share with you. The first being cruciferous vegetables. We hear this all the time that they are goitrogens. Cruciferous vegetables include Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, bok choy, 
radishes. Uh, I wouldn't recommend eliminating these foods entirely, but if you're eating them every day or in combination every day, eh, you might want to cut back. I will say that there has been a lot of research that found cooking them may be a better option is that denatures their gordurogenic effects. So cook your veggies down just to be safe. I would also recommend that people don't eat too many cruciferous vegetables at one time simply for digestive purposes. If you have any kind of IBS or concerns, um, cutting back or just choosing one cruciferous vegetable per meal can really help with some of that post-eating bloating. We hear a lot about soy-based foods when it comes to thyroid too, but if you have normal iodine levels, there's really no reason to be concerned. Soy is a very controversial nutrition topic. Everyone's always fighting about whether soy is good or bad. And if you've listened to our podcast or if you've been a client of ours before, you know that the good or bad argument just doesn't work with food. There's so much nuance and there's so many different angles. Here's my perspective. If you're eating soy-based foods a few times a week and they're coming from quality sources like tofu, tempeh, soy milk, don't worry about it. It's not a problem. If you're a man, you're not going to grow man boobs from having tofu every once in a while. It's not going to interact with your thyroid if you're eating, you know, a few quality soy foods a day. Now, I would say what I wouldn't recommend is supplementing with soy if you can help it. You know, instead of choosing foods that have a bunch of soy fillers like soy lecithin, you can find that on the package label under the ingredients of a lot of prepackaged foods and drinks. I would eliminate those as much as possible if you want to be, you know, hyper vigilant about it. And if you're using any kind of soy supplements, consider switching to a different plant-based form. This is just because soy is so controversial that when it comes to things like this where the research is all over the place, I take a very guilty until proven innocent approach. So I wouldn't completely eliminate these things, especially if they're a staple in your diet, but I also wouldn't consume two or three servings every single day. And this can be said about pretty much every food, right? I'm sitting here telling you that red meat has a good source of iron and B12, but does that mean I want you to have steak every single day? Absolutely not, because there could be health consequences associated with your heart health, with your blood pressure, your cholesterol, if you're over-consuming those foods. So this is not some crazy nutrition recommendation. It's just something to chew on. Now, here's one that maybe I'll take a bit more harsh a stance on, is that there are studies that show that alcohol consumption can suppress thyroid function despite what your iodine levels are. Here's the truth. Nobody needs to be consuming excess amounts of alcohol if they are wanting to improve their overall health, hormone function, gut health, right? Alcohol does nothing for you from a health perspective. Don't even come at me with that one red glass, I'm sorry, one glass of red wine helps with your, you know, inflammation. No, that, that there's that's not a reason to drink one glass of red wine. If you're already drinking one glass of red wine a few nights a week, it's probably not going to hurt you, but again, we'd have to look at the context of your diet because if you're doing that and eating a bunch of junk food, a bunch of crap, then yeah, okay, maybe that's something to go. But again, if you're worried about hormonal imbalance and you're drinking excessively and you have this gut little feeling, this intuitive note telling you to decrease how much you're consuming, I would go ahead and listen to that. 
Uh, one last thing I want to talk about in this episode are natural remedies to helping with thyroid. This is where I get a bit iffy because studies are just not very strong when it comes to herbal supplementation. So I would always talk to your primary care doctor uh, when considering taking any kind of herbal or natural supplement, simply because it may interact with a medication that you're on. Uh, one that we do hear a lot about though, you'll find this in teas, you'll find this in a lot of elixirs, is ashwagandha. And that might help your their thyroid because it can potentially reduce your stress levels. So there are some studies that show how it might help with thyroid. It may help with just making your body feel more relaxed and therefore functioning more optimally. I would take it in the evening time. Um, and that's all I would say about natural supplements. The rest of them that have any studies, I'm not too convinced on. And I really think that your overall diet and supplementing with things that are proven to help, like selenium or zinc, it's going to get you a lot farther when it comes to your thyroid health. So all in all, I know I talked a lot here about real specifics. We got into numbers, we got into the science, but if you are really concerned about if your diet is supporting your thyroid health, First, start with the gut. Look at eating a gut-healthy diet. Eat fiber. Eat foods that have live active cultures that help support a populated gut microbiome. This doesn't mean taking a probiotic supplement. It simply means eating fermented foods or drinking some unsweetened kombucha, some raw kombucha. It means getting a variety of plant-based foods in your diet that support different strains of fiber. And that might mean eliminating some of the things that don't do anything for you, or at least replacing them with better options more often than not. So if you're eating a lot of, I don't know, refined enriched white pasta, can you replace that with chickpea pasta? Something that has more micronutrients, that has more fiber, that does something for you, maybe helps you get a little bit of extra zinc. Or if you're consuming a lot of sugar and desserts, is it because you're not eating enough throughout the day and having cravings for sugar and therefore causing more internal inflammation? It really depends on your diet as a whole. And if you're concerned, reach out to one of us and we can help you really give your diet a facelift, a makeover, if it's lacking in something that could be supporting your thyroid health, or if we need to move some things around, take some things out and find better replacements just to make you feel better. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on Instagram or at nutrition.awareness, send us a DM. But if you want to work with us, if you want to book a consultation, we do virtual and in-person. So we have an office here in Orlando, or you can schedule a FaceTime, a webcam call with us. That is on our website, www.nutritionawareness.com. But I will link all of that for you guys in our show notes. All right, be sure to subscribe because we're talking about more hormones on future episodes. But for now, I'll talk to you later and have an awesome rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.